Okay, well, welcome to our next episode of Called, Connected and Committed. I am thrilled to welcome Kieran Gill to this episode, Chief Executive of The Difference. Welcome, Kieran. Thank you very much for having me, Andy. We are going to be talking about um, another one of our leadership practices from the document um, today, building resilience. And um, a concept that is super important at all times in school leadership, but perhaps um in this season more than ever so i'm just going to read the introduction to that then i'm going to hand on to kieran to read the the main text so sit back grab a coffee and um chance just to pause and think a little bit Leading in education is grounded in a picture of the future that inspires passion that lasts. While good leaders create vision, great leaders sustain it. Leaders demonstrate that hope is sticking around, providing consistency and dependability for the long term. Teams with sustained vision can still see where they are going in the dark times and they grow through the difficulties they face together. Leaders show that resilience is not simply coping or working harder. Leaders are changed and transformed through adversity as their skills and character are formed in the crucible of the challenge. Resilience is often offered as a catch-all solution to many of the pressures that we face. If only the children, the teachers or budget were more resilient. It's a pervasive concept. From Latin roots, we draw the English verb to resile, meaning to return to the same place, to spring back or return to normal. However, the word, word itself can feel quite uninspiring. It's easily reduced to just determination, grit, hanging in there or getting through. Such an important concept merits such consideration of how it's built upon in leaders who are seeking to sustain their vision. In 2 Corinthians, Paul shares very vulnerably about the source of his resilience and his hope, which starts by acknowledging the challenges, writing, we were under pressure far beyond our ability to cope. And then later, we were hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. He shares physical challenges, hunger, thirst, lack of sleep, pain, and yet finds these are an opportunity for growth and blessing, acknowledging the promise of God that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is the upside down ecology of God's kingdom, where our, in our weakness, we can somehow become strong. And in our humility, we grow deeper roots. It trusts Jesus who offers life in all its fullness, yet shows the ultimate vulnerability of suffering. He fails to fulfill contemporary expectations of a dominant warrior messiah, rather fulfilling the description of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. 
In another of Paul's letters to the church in Rome, he traces the deep interconnection between key elements. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Jesus's offer of life in all its fullness is not rose-tinted or naive. The Christian life does not offer exemption from challenge or removal of suffering. Rather, it gives us a lens through which to see our challenges and recognizes that in our most challenging or painful times, God is at work in us, both as individuals and teams, guiding, strengthening, refining and refocusing us, enabling us to bounce back stronger. In The Road to Character, David Brooks writes, most people shoot for happiness but feel formed through suffering. Suffering, like love, shatters the illusion of self-mastery and oddly teaches gratitude. Leaders who are seeking to build resilience themselves and their, in their teams can reflect really deeply on this countercultural model of leadership based on servanthood and suffering. While school leaders might not face the same physical persecution, fear, imprisonment or beatings that Paul experienced, they will be daily confronted with the severe challenges to their resilience. Disciplinaries, budget cuts, complaints, safeguarding tragedies, exclusions, accountability. And a Christian understanding of resilience is that God is at work in the challenge, reshaping us and further developing our character, building our hope and sustaining our vision. Kieran, thank you. Beautifully read, beautifully read. Um, I wonder if you could, um, thanks for doing that. It's a, just a great way of just pausing and thinking about the text a little bit. I wonder if just even as you read it, um, any phrases jump out to you, anything that kind of strikes you or inspires you or brings a question for you? I'm I, mean, I, I thought the whole um, the whole passage was really, really great, Andy. It's so resonant with what we're experiencing at the moment, um, which is that, you know, we don't always know the way. And um, it's in that time of great challenge that leaders in schools take the decisions that they can um, and get stronger, uh, sometimes by making mistakes um, and often by saying that they're struggling and calling colleagues who are head teachers saying to their staff I don't know the next step here what do you think is the next step um, but that that idea of strength and humility and servant leadership it, I see that every day with the heads and and senior leaders that I work with and it's so stark uh, and I think true um, yeah. and what what do you think um, you know what does what does what what does resilience mean to you as a as a as a leader you know I mean, it's 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 one of the most commonly used buzzwords of, <laughs> of, of I'm probably in most sectors but definitely in education like if only the like in the, as in the past you know if only the kids were more resilient the teachers the budget the nation you know all of that what 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 does it what does it conjure up in you in terms of what it me means from your experience well, I love this definition of it because you're right, it's a hackneyed word and I often feel quite irritated by it. Uh, I don't think people use it uh, and really mean it. I think they mean, um, I think sometimes they mean to be resilient means to pretend that life isn't happening to you. And I think that is deeply unhealthy mm. and the opposite of resilience. 
This passage is about what resilience really is, which is to come face to face with what is happening to you, to own that, to incorporate it into your own narrative and to, to move forward with the strength it has given you. And I think what really sprung out for me there, this idea that if only the children were more resilient um, and this idea of suffering getting strength, I meet so many amazing children in my job and those children who have often experienced the most suffering and challenge, but actually that reframing, teacher who helps them own that narrative, own who they are, um, and see themselves as assets, see that actually they've, they've got strength and they've succeeded where other people could have really been unable to, that they've developed coping mechanisms, some of which have been not very helpful for them in school, but some of which um, are real strengths. Um, that it's that, that is resilience, you know, to be able to thrive, adapt, change and grow. Um, and I meet loads of great kids who do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and, it, and it's so, I mean, it, if, if I think back through my teaching career, it's so overused, isn't it, as a sort of um, magic concept that if that was almost that we're supposed to create you know I can think of loads of sessions like you know like we're, we're supposed to do certain things to 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 make this this concept that that, that will then make everybody able to face anything and just anything bounce off but, but whereas actually um I don't know about you but if you think about through your career as a as a leader I wonder if you had to think of the times where you've been formed the most in your character or leadership. Um, certainly for me, like those would be the, I, I think those would not be the mountaintop experiences, although I enjoyed them. They'd probably be more the really difficult seasons and challenging moments that have actually shaped me. I don't know if you resonate with that on a personal level, but. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of the worst times have been the times that have defined my leadership. Um, and where I've learned the most and I've learned is that pain threshold where things are really hard for you and you actually realize you know what exactly as in the passage um, I need to show people this I need to tell people I don't know what's happening and I need to tell people I'm struggling and that's how I'll get through this and it's interesting Andy you said you know that that sometimes we can think if we created this magic resilience then things would be better but you know we can create resilience uh, and you asked the question here, um, where might I get my resilience from? That was one of the questions mm, you said we yeah. could chat through just now. And it was great. It's so easy to, to think about where I get my resilience from. My relationships. You know, the foundation of my resilience is my relationship with my family. I was raised by a single mum. And that love um, is, is a foundational relationship for me. But in all of those worst times in my leadership career and my not leadership career, um, you know, inside, outside work, the worst times, the resilience has always come from other people, mm. from being able to say, um, I need help. Uh, I need to learn this thing. I don't understand this yet. Um, and it's been my friends, but also my colleagues who have, who have helped me. And I think that's true for our school teams. It's, it's true for us, our staff and it's true for our children. We actually can create resilience, but it's through relationships. That's where it comes from, I think. Yeah, that, that, that's such a helpful way in thinking about it. So, so why, why is it then? If we, if, I mean, I really agree with that, but what, why is it that, that our 
if we if we know that, I, I suspect most people would probably have a resonance with that. But what, why is it that the leadership is generally painted as a kind of hero solo pr profession where you've got to kind of have all the answers and actually it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. You know what? It's actually the opposite of what's actually true, isn't it? If, if in one sense. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's true. If I think of all of the leaders that I know who are strongest, they are also the most humble and they are also those constantly learning. And if I think of all of the leaders I know who are weakest, they're, they're brittle and they're too frightened to say when they don't know something, to question themselves or to, to learn from things. And we know that in lots of our children too. We see our, our, our um, children who can be really kind of healthy and strong and confident is when they feel safe and they trust other people and it's fine for them to make mistakes. And it can be those children who can um, get very agitated and frightened even aggressive where actually they they don't feel safe to say i don't i don't know the answer to that question or um i feel hugely ashamed right now and i don't want you to see it or i'm illiterate and i can't read this paragraph you've asked me to yeah. read out in front of the rest of the yeah. class um it's it's yeah it's the safety of relationships and a, of an unconditional positive regard of an unconditional love um, that I think allows us to take risks, to learn, to grow, to mess up um, and to ask for forgiveness. And it's not having those relationships, which it doesn't enable us to do any of those things. Yeah, I love that. It's the importance of, I mean, there aren't, there aren't many leadership books that are called the unconditional love of leadership, but maybe, <laughs> may, no. maybe, maybe it's time to write one. Because that's, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's kind of, I mean, what, one of the things, even in, even in this season when, when school leaders are just facing the most, um, you, know, you know, the most agile improvisation that they, you know, really complicated decision-making constantly and fear of getting things wrong and everyone facing things that they've never had to face before. I don't know, just, just your encouragement there to say, to say, I don't know, being an acceptable response as a leader, it, it is really, it's really helpful. I mean, we don't want to show, necessary incompetence or lack of direction or anything but the ability to have a i don't know even to be in it just simple networks that allow the safe space to say you know what i i haven't got a, i haven't got an answer for that one right now how how about you i don't i don't know if i don't know how, how do how do you how do you kind of provide that for yourself in your own leadership Oh, that is a really good question. Um, <laughs> it's a leading question. You might not. How 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 could we provide that for us? Did I? Yeah. Did I get better better at it? Um, I think I think it's tough. It's not your um, primary setting because we we do want to feel strong and in control. Um, but actually, I think it's the, the best kind of strength is to say, I, I don't know, and I'm willing to listen. And the leaders that I've seen being so agile with the recent um, challenges, thinking particularly of pro leaders who are making decisions um, about vulnerable learners and risk assessments to understand, are they going to be safer uh, at home or at school and why? It's that ability to say, um, I don't know, what do you think? And that allows them to listen each time, you know, to get an up-to-date understanding from their frontline staff who've been speaking with those children and families or to speak the families themselves. Um, I think 
it's about being being willing to be wrong being willing to revise um and not getting too attached to to what you've decided um but also being willing to to set out on a path and make everybody feel safe with the clarity that you're giving them you know i i know um of heads actually I'm, I'm thinking i had a chat with russell hobby recently who runs teach first and mm. he made that decision that they just weren't going to have summer training this year and all, all trained together but sometimes also being able to give other people structure and being willing to be wrong you know he might have egg on his face if it turns out that in july people can get together to train um teachers but actually being willing to have a go and be wrong um in order to give other people security and and knowledge of of what the parameters are i think mm. maybe those are two ingredients yeah no that's that's so helpful hey, hey tell us a bit more about um your your work the difference between amazing um culture shifting um work ac across the country T tell us a little bit about it um and and um and what you're working through at the moment Thanks, Andy. Those are kind words. Um, so The Difference is a charity, teacher training charity, and we run leadership training um, for assistant and deputy heads. We run two programmes. Our core programme is about trying to forge the head teachers of the future um, and to do that through the kind of fiery front line of pupil referral units working with the children who need them most, who have had to have the, the most resilience. Um, and what our program does is recruit middle leaders, maybe people in the um, early part of their leadership journey, perhaps they uh, are heads of year, heads of faculty, heads of department, or maybe they are in early career senior leadership, assistant or deputy heads. We recruit those teachers and take them on a two year training program where they join the leadership team of a PRU or an AP Academy. And in that two years, they work to cohorts, learning from each other, help I don't know this bit what are you doing in your school that kind of stuff um, and they also get an intensive training offer from us we take them away uh, in the summer holidays which is why I've been speaking to Russell Hobby saying what do I do um, and we um, we visit them in their schools for coaching in terms of improving their PRUS offer for, for children over the two years, working with their head teacher on the school improvement plan. Um, but they also have intensive training across the year, six days um, on trauma and ch serving children's well-being needs, understanding and, and, and serving those needs, uh, safeguarding, contextual safeguarding, particularly for adolescents um, and uh, learning well-being learning and safeguarding needs um, and that's the those are the core strands of our program and difference leaders reflect on those things with with practical assignments in their prus in their schools um, and they also reflect in fortnightly supervision which they do with a psychologist and it's about all of these things unpicking um <laughs> some of the big ideas we've been talking about you know where does your resilience come from what are the things that make you feel safe what are the things that make you feel scared what are the things that make our children feel safe and scared and how do we monitor those things so that actually we can find an equilibrium where everyone can learn and, um, and at the end of the two-year program sorry Andy I'll just before I forget yeah. to say we're trying to take those leaders back to mainstream schools so they take all of that knowledge um, and expertise in staff training and systems and, and and work within a mainstream school to build systems that can reduce exclusion work with the vulnerable learners and all the children and and um, yeah sorry to interrupt you there how, how do you I mean people listen to this in Diocese across the country. How, how do how do 
how do people get involved? A lot, lot of our, lot of leaders across Church of England schools were in primary schools. Can they get involved? Secondary schools? Is there geography? I mean, it sounds an amazing opportunity. How do, how do, how do we, how can we connect in with it? Yeah, fab. Well, the Difference Leaders Programme, as I said, is quite a big deal. People quit their jobs in mainstream to work in a proof for two years. And then we hope that uh, mainstream head teachers are keen to hire those brilliant people at the end of two years. It's been a 10 to 1 applicant success ratio. So it was really competitive to get on the programme both this year and last year. So uh, we'd love some of the heads out there to, to be interested in hiring those, those leaders. But actually last year, some of my friends who are mainstream head teachers said, wait a minute, Kieran, what on earth? You've got all this specialist training in learning, wellbeing, safeguarding. Um, we want this right now for our deputy heads. So we actually took a trial cohort last year of mainstream DHTs, AHTs, and actually some head teachers um, on a six day training programme where they joined these brilliant PRU leaders um, and they learned together. So they've had six days through the year and we had our fifth um, last week on Zoom all day, which was intense, but oh, great. <laughs> we did and a lie down afterwards um but we were talking about parental engagement which could not be more um important now yeah. and those leaders uh they they take away assignments they do them with their own practice in mind as teachers um, but also with their staff training in mind um, and then they come together those mainstream uh, DHTs, AHTs um, heads with our PRU leaders each half term to kind of share what they learned by doing the assignment and to get some new input and go away and do that um, and that program was really successful this year those six days and assignments for leaders so that we're expanding it next year it, last year it was just in London and we did have some colleagues travel down from Sheffield etc primary colleagues as well as secondary um, but next year we'll be leading that work um, with a hub in Manchester and another in York so um, Manchester York London we're looking for people who'd like to join this inclusive leaders cohort and go on a journey with their school school improvement as well as le leadership development but also learn from a cohort of other people who are committed to this work and seeing what works in, in a time when, as we're saying, Andy, we don't necessarily know the road ahead, but we know we need some more tools to deal with it. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like a fantastic opportunity. Um, so do, do you check that out? Just, just as we kind of close, close out, I, I'd, I wonder, Kieran, if you could just call to mind some of those leaders that you've been working with on, on the programme, just if we bring it back to that theme of resilience I, I imagine that those individuals have been um shaped and tested and challenged by all kinds of things through 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 that you know what are the sort of um takeaways that you can you know re reflecting on those pe people what what have you seen them growing and, and and how have you seen them shaped through the challenges that they've faced well that's a really good question um and another challenging one andy i guess I work with three groups of leaders, really, um, the difference leaders that we work with, and they have very much grown through challenge, um, both how challenging it is to leave a setting and go into a very different one, working with people who've been excluded, um, but also how to rise to this challenge in, in the current context. And we've seen amazing things, you know, them really rethinking how do they keep children safe remotely? How do they um, keep on top of their well-being? How do they use um, social media to stay in touch with their families? 
Um, and I, I work with a second group, which is their head teachers, who I'm, I'm very closely working with. And one leader springs to mind, um, Karen Johnson and her colleague Fee, uh, who run the Medway Pupil Referral Unit, the Rowans, it's outstanding. And um, I know when you, when you introduced resilience at the top of our podcast, you talked about consistency. And I've loved seeing um, not just how Karen and Fee are, are kind of learning in a crisis, but also how exactly, as I said, they're also just being quite firm about what they believe and being consistent for their schools and their families. And I've seen amazing things, for instance, um, they're, they're using Facebook really creatively. They've got a page for the Rowans, um, for the Rowans Prue, but they're still making sure that they're in touch with every child whose birthday it is, for instance, mm. um, and posting a video that celebrates that child's birthday. So that social link um, between the child and their form group and the child and their teacher is still there. Um, and they've been doing creative things like dropping off packs for parents, not just uh, food packs and hampers, but also activity packs. Um, so they've been thinking about things that parents can do with their children, um, growing plants together. They've been making cakes together. They've been doing um, models together and then filming that stuff. Some of those parents and posting it on the Facebook site for other face for other parents to see. I've, I've seen real creativity in how schools have helped families and children feel that they are consistent in their lives that although everything has changed this relationship hasn't disappeared and it can anchor children um, and, and families in a really vulnerable time to still feel safe and know that when they come back to school they still know their teacher their teacher still cares about them and through that relationship they can then get back to learning um, so there's there's a couple of, of yeah, stories yeah, I love that. I, I love that you're talking about consistency, dependability, um, relationships, unconditional love. I, I'm just going to close out the thanks, Kieran. It's been so inspiring. I just love what your organisation is doing and just really hope that um, more and more of us can kind of get involved. Um, just going to close out by re reading just that one of those quotes again from 2, two Corinthians in, in, in the passage today whatever we're facing um, and whatever time of day or night you might be listening to this in this season, no doubt there are challenges to be faced in, in, in your role, but be encouraged by um, this promise that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 to 9. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Thanks for joining us um, this week on Call Connected Committed. And um, Kieran Gill, thank you so much. Fantastic um, to speak with you and every encouragement and all that you're doing in your role. Thank you. And colleagues can find us at the difference, um, www.the-difference.com or check us out on Twitter or other social media at The Difference Ed. Thanks, Abby. Fantastic. Okay. Over and out.